Welcome back to another review show. This week, it's Premier League Match Week 24. We dive into Liverpool's implosion against Leicester, City's relatively easy afternoon against Tottenham, and an as-predicted goal fest that was Arsenal versus Leeds. Plus, a few other notable results and a quick check-in with the U.S. men's national team. You're listening to the Two Touch Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Douglas, and as always, I'm joined by Tim Bowens-Bouts. This is episode 25. Let's get started. All right, welcome to episode 25, a match week review episode. This week, we're talking match week 24. It was, I'd say, a pretty solid one. We had quite a few big mm-hmm. matches, which um, we're going to be getting into shortly. So uh, before we do that, Bones, how, how are you doing? Doing well. Happy Valentine's Day, first and foremost. Yes, yes, I, it is. I tried sending is. you flowers, but I heard they just got chipped up as mulch yes um (laughs) no as you can tell we're it's it's valentine's day so we're recording on a sunday this week so we are doing the review match but unfortunately it won't be including the games that will be happening on monday but hey that's just how it goes sometimes so i think no more dilly-dallying let's just get right into it Leicester versus Liverpool was the breakfast banger on Saturday morning. Nice and early, 7.30. Best way to start off a weekend with a very important top four match. Leicester going into the match was sitting in third. Liverpool was sitting in fourth. So big implications on the top four. And the match didn't really let down. So what was the final score? The final score was 3-1 to Leicester. First goal of the match didn't come until the 67th minute. Up until that point, it was relatively even. Uh, It seemed like Liverpool was a little bit more organized, a little bit more attacking. I thought the whole first half they were the better team. Then in the 67th minute, the first goal came for Liverpool when Bobby Firmino, inside the box, did a no-look Maradona sort of rollover, step over, and pass the ball perfectly to Salah. It was a beautiful pass, very creative. Uh, One of the prettiest assists you'll ever see because – from there, Salo, it was pretty easy for him just to slot it away. So put up, put Liverpool up 1-0. Then the wheels kind of came off. After that, it was all Leicester. In the 78th minute, a free kick goal from James Madison. It was maybe a little controversial because basically he kicked it, the ball, went through a ton of traffic, kind of bouncing through the 18. Uh, quite a few Leicester and Liverpool players were trying to run onto it. Indeedy. I think it was Ndidi. He basically was, he got to the ball at the point of when the keeper was about to, to make a, I don't know, sort of an attempt at a save. And at the start of the run, Ndidi was actually offsides. So controversial. Some people said it should have been offsides because Ndidi played a part in it going in. I don't know. Either way, the goal was reviewed and it stood. So Leicester's up 1-1. Then in the 80th minute, there was a long ball played towards the Liverpool box. It was probably like, 10, 20 yards outside Liverpool's box. Uh, the new center back, uh, Kabak. Is that how you say his name, Bones? Kabach. Kabach. He was essentially tracking the ball in the air. And right as he went to go play it, what he did not realize was Allison came out of goal 
way out of goal, way unnecessary, and sort of collided with him in a way. Uh, There's definitely no communication between those two. And what happened was the ball kind of just squirted through then to Vardy, who had an open goal, and he's not going to miss that. Buried it, then ran right to the, the corner flag, ripped the corner flag out of the ground and played some nice air guitar. It was, you know, <laughs> it was a cocky, in-your-face, awesome move by Jamie Vardy. It was another brutal mistake and uh, for Liverpool, mainly. I think this goes straight on Allison's hands because yeah. um, it was really up to him to communicate to Kabach. And it didn't seem like he did. And uh, he also didn't need to be that far out of goal. So it's back-to-back games where Allison had massive mistakes that resulted directly in goals. And then, so at this point, Leicester's up 2-1. And then Harvey Barnes capped it off. Pretty straightforward goal coming in from the left side uh, on the break and just slotted away in the 85th. So final score, 3-1 to... Lester and I think the one way to describe this match was implosion. Yeah, yeah. Bones, what do you think went on here? What, what what's going on? Well, to be as, as to be expected, Liverpool dominated possession. It was sixty-two thirty-eight, and I thought it was relatively even, as you said. Um, I think Liverpool had more good chances, but all in all, there was a lot of good chances to be had. One of which we didn't mention, or you didn't mention because it didn't result in a goal, but TAA had a free kick from about 25 out, and it hit the kind of the, the corner of the crossbar. It was an incredible strike, but alas, it, it didn't go in. Mm-hmm. Secondly, yeah, let's talk about Allison. A lot of people are probably going to give Ozan Kabac some flack for it, but... I pin it squarely on Allison. I mean, there was no reason for him to be as far out as he was, and particularly sprinting. Like, if, if you have to sprint and wildly swing at the ball, you're out way too far. That, that's just not a controlled play. And I, I honestly felt it, it was going to be a difficult play for Kabach, but I felt like he had the better chance and was tracking to make, make a play. And I think it was just completely unnecessary that Allison came out. Secondly... Another mistake by Allison, uh, a couple minutes after that, um, there was a shot kind of across the goal, and he parried it directly to Jamie Vardy, who then put it on goal. It was a complete, a complete empty net, put it on goal, but in the, in the center of, of the goal so that Allison could scramble, at, uh, scramble back and make a good save, but again, a, a completely unnecessary save. He is just – his mind is not in it right now. He's got a – Take a, a couple of days off, recalibrate, you know, take a couple deep breaths because he is just not in good form. He is a, is, he's a head case. I think his blunders from the last match have certainly gotten to him and he, he just needs a reset. Yeah. And actually, something interesting I saw on, on Instagram immediately following the match, Allison has now committed seven errors leading to goals since joining Liverpool. For context, Kepa has committed three errors leading to goals for Chelsea and he joined in the same summer window. Now, I'm not saying that those two should be compared because Allison is a significantly better goalkeeper than Keppa. And part of what Keppa does, it's not that he, he commits errors. It's that he can't save anything from outside the box. And so that's why there's been so much heat on Keppa. But it's, it's telling that a guy who's been heralded as the worst big transfer in Premier League history 
has made fewer errors leading to goals. Allison has made more, but is still considered one of the best in the world. I, I think he just needs to take a little bit. He, he needs to go, bed, go to bed early tonight and just wake up tomorrow, refresh for, for uh, training. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only thing I, I would say is calling him a head case probably isn't fair. He has had two games that obviously he's made some massive mistakes. But before that, I mean, it's not really something that you – like these 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 errors leading to goals. I know you've said seven and compared it to Kepa or whatever, but it's not something that you really associate with his game. So I don't know if it's like a head case thing. I, I'd, I'd probably argue against that. But yeah, he's he's a uh, his confidence is probably kicked in the nuts a little bit right now. And so uh, yeah, we it'll be interesting to see what happens. I I personally expect him to. This isn't going to become a habit, right? Like it. it I just hope. can't see that happening. The one other thing I'd like to point out, and again, not drawing comparisons because Allison is a better goalkeeper than than this man is, Loris Karius. He, of course, made two ridiculous errors against Real Madrid in the Champions League final uh, four years ago and was very unceremonious. And he, he did that while he had a concussion after Sergio Ramos kneed him in the head right. in the same match. He was very unceremoniously then sent on loan to Besiktas for two years and is now with Union Berlin, isn't even getting playing time, but his career is effectively over. He, he, he was shot after that game. He was mentally incapable of recovering. And again, Allison, much better keeper and presumably has a, a stronger head game. But I mean, yeah, but with... Karius, again, I don't, I don't think it's a fair comparison. Karius, Karius had a history of making ridiculous mistakes before that match he just he made the biggest ones of his career during the biggest match but that i'm i also think that's true and again no he's nowhere near the the goalkeeper that allison is but this is also two straight games of pretty calamitous errors for allison this is not the first time that this has happened so i'm just interested to see how he tries to recover after two straight games of doing this yeah, because I said I, last I, episode. Yeah, I. We'll we'll see. We'll see. We, we got to move on. I I I think, sure. That's that's like a subplot or sub storyline of what's going on with Liverpool, because there's clearly other issues, right? They're struggling to score goals. They're just like they're sitting fourth in the table right now. They're actually at this point last season they had seventy points. They have forty points right now. So that's a thirty point drop off. So, Allison, yeah. despite his blunders, there's bigger issues here. What I'm curious is they're on the edge of fourth place. We'll talk about it later, but there's a serious threat that they don't finish top four. What do you think? Do you think they're going to finish in the top four? That's a tough question. I, I you know, it's interesting because I, I think Chelsea's on the rise. I think they have the potential to, to knock them out. And I Chelsea, would, but I, you also Chelsea, think about Everton. They're very real. Like they're, they could do it. Yeah. And I think Chelsea more so than Everton. I think Everton, again, <laughs> this is, yeah, this is, yeah, yeah, whatever. This is still <laughs> prior to the Chelsea or the, sorry, the Everton full match. So, you know, who knows what they, what they get from that match. But I, I just, I just think that Chelsea has looked better recently. 
than than Everton has. Obviously, Everton had an iconic comeback against United just this past uh, just last week. So maybe their stock is rising, but I think Chelsea are the more likely team to finish top four. I think that Everton will make a good push. They're just not there yet. But so, I, I could so very well think, see Liverpool dropping out. Do you think it happens? Yeah, I do. I do. I just think that they they look too disjointed. And, and you know, the fact that now they're using the Klopp-o-meter or the, um, the Klopp-excuse-o-meter after every match, things just aren't going well across the board for the club. And I, I think it's just not their year. I think they, they need to kind of wash their hands of it and say, you know, hopefully next year we don't have injuries ravaging our back line. And then as a unit, we can just kind of regroup and not rebuild because I think they have the pieces to, to continue to win in-house. Mm-hmm. But yep. they, they, they just need to get healthy. Okay. And that's not going to happen this year. Okay. All right, we got to move on to the next match. Uh, so, yeah, big win for Leicester over Liverpool. I mean, it's huge for Leicester's hopes of obviously locking up top four. And then I don't really think there's a real title challenge here. Just that says more about the next team we're going to talk about, Manchester City, match against Tottenham this weekend. And I think this is kind of went how we expected, uh, unfortunately. Uh, so final score, 3-0 to City. Goals, let's see. They came in the, let's see, in the 20th minute, City were awarded a penalty for an apparent challenge on Gundogan from, uh, from Hoiberg. Hoiberg. Yeah, Hoiberg. But <laughs> on review, what's crazy is that the penalty kick was held up through VAR. But on review, it actually looked like Gundogan fouled Hoiberg. So, I don't know. I thought it was pretty harsh uh, to to rule this on them. Anyways, of all people, Rodri steps up to take the penalty kick, and he scores. Hugo Uris almost saved it, but not quite. I just thought that was very interesting that their defensive midfielder was taking the PK, and it kind of says a lot about the PK struggles that City have had this year. Kevin De Bruyne's missed some. Gundogan himself skyrocketed one last match. And so now Pep has Rodri taking it. And then I bet you anything, he will not be taking the next one because he was kind of lucky he scored there. Yeah. And it, it was, I think, honestly, Loris who just didn't have a strong enough hand to, to get right. it out. Cause he, it, he had a full arm on it. Yeah. He guessed right. Didn't get it in uh, or didn't get it away. Um, the other thing about uh, their penalty taking They've had Sterling, they've had De Bruyne, they've had Gundogan. They think they've probably had Jesus take one. Um, th- there's a lot of talk midweek that Ederson was going to take it. And apparently he's their best PK taker. But Pep kind of played that down in the media because I-, I think it's probably just a confidence thing with his outfield players that he's like, I can't in good conscience bring my goalkeeper up to take the penalty when we're struggling for goals. That would be the ultimate, like, fuck you. I have no confidence you to, to score in any form or fashion. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't picture Ederson ever taking a PK unless, unless Pep goes through his entire outfield lineup. So we'll see. All right. So at this point, city is up one nil. Then in the 50th minute, there was just some classic link up play with Manchester city between Sterling, Gunnawan and, Foden was involved too, but what ultimately was 
the result was Gundogan getting a through ball sort of, or like a, almost like a handoff. Like he came sprinting through the box and Sterling just played it off into his path. He picked it up and got a shot on goal. And again, Hugo Yoris got a hand on it and it was a weak one. And as a result, goal now up two nil. Then finally, the third goal, which was probably the most impressive one, actually, I think definitely it was, was actually assisted by Ederson. Ederson had the ball on the ground in his own 18, booed the ball all the way up the pitch, became a foot race between Gundogan and Sanchez. Gundogan wins the ball, then puts Sanchez in an absolute pretzel, makes him faceplant, like legitimate faceplant. Sanchez slid on the ground on his face for a good two feet. And then Gundogan just slotted the ball away. So a beautiful. It, it was Phil Jones esque, honestly. Yes, yes. Well, at least when Phil Jones goes sliding on his face, he's actually also heading the ball somehow. So <laughs> it's a it's a little different. But yeah, this is it. It was a beautiful goal. It's another goal for Gundogan, who can can't stop scoring at this point. I think that brings his tally to eleven on the season. His previous high for City mm-hmm. was four on the season, and it was and an the highest for- he's ever had in his career is six with. Dortmund, I think two years after he joined. And it was an ass- a beautiful assist for Ederson. So, great goal. This match kind of went how we'd expect it to. Tottenham sat back, and they were just hoping uh, for Harry Kane and saw some magic. Uh, it almost came in the 13th minute, actually. Harry Kane took a free kick from outside the box, and he cracked it off the sort of right where the crossbar and the post meet, right up in the top corner. Would have been a beautiful goal. But obviously, didn't happen. They didn't have a ton of opportunities after that. So uh, City really just—I think it was exactly how they drew it up, and they executed. And City, City won and extend their lead at the top of the table. Bones, what was your general thoughts on this match? I just have two comments. One, uh, just a little shout out, and, and kind of an interesting fact for the listeners: Ederson holds the Guinness Book of World Records for longest punt i believe so makes sense that he would have a a full full length of the field assist the only other person that i know of to have done that is uh manuel neuer so i mean there's been a lot of keepers in history to have done that so nothing special nope 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 the the only one that comes to mind is manuel neuer thank you thank you Mm. well i guess tim howard also had a goal from similar type type play yeah it's funny how your your selective memory works well well two great Two great goalkeepers, one American, one the best goalkeeper in the world. So, you know, just two all-around great guys. The second thing I'd like to point out is Gareth Bale comes on and it seems as though he made or was trying to make and was relatively successful in making an impact on the match. I thought the start of Eric Lamella was horrific. The guy is just, as you would say, he's just out there killing grass. Like, he's just not good. Gareth Bale comes in and he had this really close this play where it was well first of all he tried to take a crack from about 30 out it gets deflected comes back to him he then has um a spat of close control dribbling moving to wiggle through i think three defenders in the box to then take a kind of a sliding hit that required a good save from ederson and that was almost glimpses of the gareth bale we know and love and it was just great to see and particularly because he and Mourinho have been clashing the past couple weeks Bale hasn't been playing much. He's been on the bench, but hasn't been playing much. Uh, Mourinho's been saying that, oh, he's not fully fit. 
And then there was a post on Instagram from Gareth Bale. It said, I was you completely just live fit. on Instagram. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever. So, but Hey, you, you weren't sharing these anecdotes. Somebody's got to. So, <laughs> Go ahead. so I, it was just, you know, there's obviously some internal strife there has been a lot of reports that there's no way that Gareth Bale is going to resign for Spurs, which I, I think is fair. Um, but that the, the club hierarchy, including Mourinho are super bummed that he didn't work out, but you know, are just disappointed in what he's been, been able to bring to the table, not just on the field, but also in the locker room. Um, and so that he's going to go back to Madrid in the summer. But, you know, this is at least something that he can hold his hat on and be like, I went out there and, and performed when I was out there. <laughs> I went out there that one, that one match for like 20 minutes and I did pretty good. <laughs> hey my, dude, it's, it's one Tottenham. more match. That he was on the, on the pitch and he wasn't on the golf course. So that's pretty good. I mean, he was making not by a his personal standards. sacrifice. He, he probably preferred to be on the golf course. Yeah, he de- He definitely did. <laughs> uh, the only other thing I, I'd note on this, if we're trying to, well, I don't think anyone's trying to nitpick. I'm just trying to nitpick because I hate admitting that City is the best team in the league this year. But one thing I noticed is that at the point of their second goal, they obviously up 2-0 at this point. They had only two shots on goal at that point. I think it was eight, eight, or eight to ten shots total, only two on goal, but happened to be goals. And again, I, I think this is – it's kind of been an underlying theme that people don't really notice because it doesn't matter. City doesn't concede and they, they just keep rattling off wins, but their, their, their attack hasn't quite clicked. They're being incredibly efficient, right? Two shots on target, two goals. Can't ask for much better than that. Right. But it's just interesting to see. I, I don't know if I can see it going two ways. I don't see this trend lasting the whole time because something's got to give, but either, either they're going to have to rely on being incredibly efficient like they have been so far, or what's terrifying is that they, the attack could actually start getting to click like Aguero could come back and actually be a good striker for them. And then, you know, these matches where they're efficiently getting two to three goals could turn into like they're running the score of four five, six on pretty much anyone they want. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I, it's weird to say that this team that has a stranglehold on, first place at this point has a good chance of getting better and yeah they i I just don't see how they don't run away with the title this year also tottenham yeah i can't disagree tottenham's just trash so bad (laughs) they're such a bad team oh man i do you think Mourinho? he'll be back next year i think they uh, i mean he'll be back next year i think he has to start the season but if they're performing like they are now by christmas he's gone yeah yeah i agree i agree okay moving on next match arsenal and leeds however before we do that just want to take a quick break that listen if you like to keep up with the premier league but because of the rapid fire schedule this year we've noticed that it's it's i mean it's great every other day there's a game and action-packed tons of drama the table is – I mean, at one point, City was in 10th place, and now they're, like, by far the favorites to win. It's just been a crazy season. It's hard to keep up with everything. It's hard to watch all the matches. But the good news for you guys is that we do that. So, if you just want to keep up with the Premier League, the fast pace, the the rapid games, everything that's going on, you should just go ahead and subscribe to this this podcast because you'll get a friendly reminder twice a week 
that there's a new episode giving reviews and previews and yeah, it just will make your life a lot easier. So if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. All right, let's jump into our last match that we'll be doing an in-depth review on. Arsenal versus Leeds, as expected, goals galore. I actually, when I was watching the match and typing up my notes, I was sort of describing every single goal. There's six goals in the end, so I'm not going to go through all of them, but the high-level things you need to know is that Arsenal, for the first 50 minutes, absolutely dominated. They got 4-0. Aubameyang got a hat-trick. Everyone was getting involved. Uh, It was interesting. The... The starting lineup actually included Odegaard as the 10 and something that we were talking about when we first found out that Odegaard was going on loan to Arsenal was we sort of thought that Smith Rowe and Odegaard were going to have to compete for that 10 spot. It was going to be one or the other. turns out we were wrong because Smith Rowe also started and he just started on the left. So interesting lineup. Bones, you called it out. You, you noticed that this was, this is essentially the formation that they had uh, towards the end of their last match when, Odegaard was subbed on and it seemed to have worked. They looked a little bit more dangerous going forward. So they, they were going to try for a full match this time and it paid off. And Aubameyang looked like the old Aubameyang that was scoring all sorts of goals. Uh, obviously he scored a PK, yeah. but he had a nice finish where he dribbled in from the left side and, and beat the keeper. And he also scored a header. So uh, great match for him. Leeds did make it interesting though. At four nil, I thought this match was over and Basically, we could just write it off, but they managed to pull back two and be very dangerous in the second half. You couldn't help, at least I couldn't help but think that maybe they could pull it off. Maybe they could yeah. have a comeback. Didn't quite happen. They had plenty of chances, but Arsenal were able to hold on to a, uh, I would say, a well-deserved win. Yeah, Bones, what, what's, your, what's your thoughts on this? Just two quick thoughts. One, I've got a. I'd be remiss if I, I didn't just say that a couple a couple of the goals of Arsenal Arsenal's goals I think were due to poor goalkeeping on Melier's part and I have been relatively high on Melier as a young French goalkeeper for an intriguing team but when he makes mistakes they Leeds really struggles to to try to clean up the mess and they nearly always concede when he does make mistakes. And the mistakes I'm, I'm primarily talking about is they love and refuse to not play out the back. And so there was a couple of rogue passes that he made that ended up being deadly. And um, uh, I think at least two of the goals were directly because of Melier's play. With that said, I do have to tip my hat to Aubameyang. It looks like Batman is back and he should have had four honestly mm-hmm. he uh he cracked the crossbar kind of late in the second half i think yes but should have had four but regardless this is his first hat trick in the premier league so congrats to him yep and i also saw since he's joined the premier league there's only been one player to score more goals than him in that time and that's Salah. so he's uh he's in good company so Bones, I know you were super excited for him to join the Premier League, and this was his first start. So, what was your impression of Odegaard? Honestly, I think he does a great job of controlling the tempo, and you know he doesn't make. Oftentimes, he he makes shorter, um, shorter passes, and often passes not going forward. 
but he does a great job of of identifying when he needs to relieve relieve pressure, but also when he needs to up the tempo because he sees something in the defense that they can exploit. I thought he was very good in possession, and I, I think that that is kind of his MO, that he's very good on the ball. It's just that sometimes he's not as aggressive as he should be. He's actually getting a little bit further upfield than um, I, I generally see him well, get. Well, that's the thing. He's a 10, and he normally plays 10, so I don't, I'm not – Sure, I, I agree with that one statement, but you're right. One Which thing he one does, statement? He was further up the field than he normally gets. No, I'm saying he was getting further up the field where he was getting into the box and wasn't necessarily sitting on top of the 18 to continue to distribute. He was getting into the box for you know crosses and and um, yeah, and yeah. the like. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I thought he looked good. Uh, at the very least, he he keeps the ball moving, which is obviously very important so yeah yeah i thought he looked good again he didn't i don't think there was anything that was a super wow factor but i think he made a very compelling argument that he should be in the starting lineup going forward and it's just gonna be interesting to see how see what arteta does right like he's this the season has just been so crazy for arsenal and the first step to turning this whole the ship around was really getting the the younger players involved. Yeah, and they basically have said like proven to Arteta. Arteta can't drop them for the likes of Pepe and and William. And now you got Odegaard here, who's on loan. So this could just be like the next six months, and that's it. So how does he prioritize getting him to start? It, it's just. It'll be interesting to see what Arteta does going forward. I, I wonder if he eventually settles in on his ideal 11 um, or if he keeps mixing and matching depending on the matchup. Okay, so those are the three matches that we're really highlighting. Uh, mainly, we, we actually – our preview, I think, was spot on from our last episode. We basically – we picked these three matches to talk about because we either thought they were going to be the most entertaining. That checks the box with Arsenal and Leeds. I would say cities was pretty city Tottenham was pretty entertaining, but we we sort of expected the city to dominate, and then Leicester and Liverpool. I mean, entertainment, but also implications on the table, all over the place. So I think we did we did a good job with that, Bones. But thanks, bud. Yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. But there are some other notable results we're going to rip through quickly. Reminder: we're recording on Sunday, so the Monday matches haven't happened yet. So we'll be leaving that out. We'll start off with Brighton and Aston Villa had a 0-0 draw. It's another blow for Villa's Europa League hopes. And to be honest, Brighton were by far the better team. They dominated this match. They just, the thing that that team is lacking is a, a real, a real goal scorer, scorer, a real killer in front of the net. They had tons of opportunities. They had all the possession they looked like a. They just look like a good team. They're playing attractive football. They're competing with everyone they play with. They're grinding out results. They just can't score goals. Um, but it's a big point for them. Uh, you know, they're still, they're still in that relegation battle zone. But they're, they're above the relegation zone, and that gap keeps growing because they keep grinding out these results. So, it's looking good for them. The next match I'm going to touch on. I'm not thrilled about. Manchester United drew with West Brom. As a United fan, it was a very frustrating match. It was more of the same bullshit. It was United conceded a goal very early, thanks to Lindelof getting absolutely bullied. 
it was interesting because I just thought the West Brom striker, I, I'm blanking on his name. I, he just physically outdueled Lindelof and scored. And it didn't come it, to, to be honest, the goal didn't come across as like a foul to me. I saw a lot of chatter afterwards, you know, a lot of screenshots of the striker basically just mauling Lindelof. The pictures don't look good, but I, I think it would have been hard to call a foul on him. You know, Lindelof, I think, could have done better. So Manchester United concede early. Thank God Manchester United has Bruno Fernandes because he got the team back, got a goal back, a fantastic goal, a left-footed, his weak foot, side volley. Not not a lot of power, just perfectly placed in the top left corner. It's a beautiful goal, but that's it. Like, United couldn't get anything else going. And also, sorry, I'm kind of rambling here, but this ref was horrendous in so many ways. United didn't lose because of the ref, but Jesus Christ, this ref was ridiculous. The end of the first half in stoppage time, he blows the whistle as United go on a four-on-two break. All right, that's kind of convenient. And then in the stoppage time at the end of the match, United send a ball into the box where like everyone is. And when the ball is mid-air, he blows the whistle and calls, calls the game over. It's just, it was a joke. The ref's not the reason why United drop points. This is kind of, this defense is such shit. And it's the reason why pretty much everyone, except for a very small subgroup of United fans, never took United seriously as title, title contenders. More drop points, more drop points. All right. And the last match we want to touch on is Wolves had a very nice come from behind victory against Southampton to win 2-1. They had goals from Pedro Neto. It was a very nice individual goal where he cut in from the right side, kind of along the touchline, beat his defender, beat the keeper. It was a pretty goal. And then Ruben Neves also scored a penalty kick. Southampton's just crumbling. It's, I think, probably like four or five episodes ago now, we were talking about basically where teams stood in the table and what it looked like for them going forward. We were a little bit higher on Southampton. They were sitting in 10th at the time, but they just, they're crumbling. They haven't won a match since January 4th. Their last match that they won Oof. was against Liverpool, the 1-0 victory where Hassan Huddle was crying after the match. And it was kind of like a, it was kind of like a moment where everyone's like Southampton's, you know, a good team and Hassan Huddle is a fantastic manager and it's paying off and, you know, that was kind of their high. And I think a lot of people were starting like sort of buying into Southampton, not as like title contenders or top four contenders, but as like a, a legitimate, but a strong team. And since then they haven't won a match. So it's a, it's a little bit of a panic mode there. I mean, I think they're safe. They're not a relegation team, but they're, they're in a very, very rough stretch. Okay. So that's it for notable results. That's it for our review for this week to wrap it up. Bones is going to give us a table review. Why, thank you, Trev. So the first... Sorry. Why, thank you, Trev. So to start, City stays top with their win over Spurs with 53 points and a game in hand. So really bleak for everybody else in the table. Yeah, I know. (laughs) United stays second with their embarrassing draw with West Brom, or to West Brom only holding Leicester off by goal differential with 46 points. Leicester, as I said, sit third on goal differential, 46 points. And Liverpool narrowly holding on to fourth place at 40 points. Although, as we talked about, 
At the time of recording, Everton and Chelsea have yet to play, both with the opportunity to surpass or draw a level on points, although Everton would still be down to Liverpool on goal differential. But as we talked about earlier as well, I think that Chelsea will probably leapfrog them, if not this week, by the end of the season for fourth place. Do you think Everton could do it as well? Do you think Do you think Liverpool could fall as far as, what would that make them, sixth? Oh, that is tough. That is saucy. I, it, it's possible. You know, yeah, I of think course that, it's possible. I want, a, I want a bold claim. Do you think yes or no? Sixth place, Liverpool. How many Guinnesses is this worth? I mean... The, we haven't like, had a Guinness bet in a while. I need to rec- recover some of my Guinnesses. My Guinness. How do we want to frame this? Who finishes... So... Who finishes bottom out of the three? No, let's do... Liverpool finishes fifth or better. I, I, I feel like that, yeah. That's tough. Um, I really think the bet should be, will Liverpool finish in the top four or not? Yeah. I feel like they're destined for fifth. Okay, so all right, yeah, all right, all right, that's fine. Yeah, but who's taking what? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like, I don't really like this as a bet just because it seems like they're locked in at fifth place. Sixth just seems crazy to me. You know what? Fuck it. I bet you that Liverpool finishes sixth or worse. Ooh, I like that. Okay. And I'll just do two Guinness. Okay. All right. Deal. All right. Deal. Yeah. Okay. And one more, just one more thing before we wrap it up. Bones has a quick, quick, quick update on the U.S. men's national team. Some news from this past weekend. Go ahead, Bones. And we'll start to do this every every review uh, review episode, just so that we keep our listeners up to date going into the summer's Gold Cup, uh, as well as World Cup qualifying and Olympic qualifying. Two updates today: Daryl DK gets his first start and first league appearance for Barnsley. He put in a good shift, uh, and it apparently is an absolute tank in hold up play uh, in the number nine role, which is something that we desperately need going into this this uh this qualifying stage you know the last person we had that was serviceable at it is Josie Altzor but you can't rely on him from his injury record so having someone like Daryl DK would be fantastic during qualifying secondly Taylor Booth gets his first senior appearance of his career but also his first appearance with St. Poulton in the Austrian Bundesliga he was the highest rated player on the pitch on the day as per sofa score and he recorded an assist for St. Paul. And so it looks like he's hitting the ground running and enjoying life in the Austrian Bundesliga. Obviously, he was going to get a little bit more run than with Bayern. So it's a great chance for him to develop and maybe show Burhalter that he's ready for maybe not a senior call-up, but at least a U23 call-up. And uh, remind the listeners what position Taylor Booth plays. Oh, sorry. Taylor Booth is an attacking midfielder. Got it. I, I said our listeners, but to be honest, I needed a reminder. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. So before we go, I just want to give the listeners a little bit of a heads up. So this coming week, this coming Friday's episode, we're going to change it up a little bit. So typically in the past, what we've done is we've, we've used this episode for, well, really every episode has been a preview and a review show because the schedule this season has been, uh, been nuts, but 
typically where you're going to see going forward is we're going to use the Monday slash Tuesday episode as a review of the Premier League. Uh, the matches that happened over the weekend. And then we're going to start using the Friday episode as more of like a open discussion. So we're going to be touching on current events in the soccer world. We're going to be uh, doing some fun segments, maybe some entertaining. We got some ideas basically. So it's going to be a little bit of a switch up. So keep an eye on that. Look forward. This Friday is going to be the first time we do it. So check it out. All right. So that's it for episode 25. Four Bones, I'm Trevor. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.